0: Good morning and welcome. Good to see you all here uh, today. Glad for you to join us uh, for worship this morning. If you are a visitor today, uh, there's a card that looks like this out on our Welcome Center called a Connect card. Be glad for you to fill that out. Let us know of your attendance with us. Anyways, we can pray for you. That goes for everybody else as well as far as prayer, things we can pray for you this week. uh, Please let us know and we'd be glad to do that. Uh, 10 o'clock today after this service, we will be having Sunday school classes uh, for all ages. So that goes through nursery through, um, or excuse me, uh, kindergarten through, uh, is that right, Pastor Chris? Kindergarten kindergarten through adult yeah so uh, all three adult classes are meeting one meeting in the fellowship hall uh, the class that usually meets here is meeting in the, the youth room and then our third adult class will be meeting in the the cafe uh, we call that the life way class class so we'd love for you to join us uh, for that the second uh, service that's the 11 o'clock i know that you know that you will probably be there for that but uh, we will be having nursery open and children's church that second hour will be happening during the 11 o'clock service I want to let you know in two weeks, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we'll be having a, a missionary with us, uh, Phil, well, a missionary couple, Phil and Becky McDonald. Um, Phil works with an uh, organization that formerly called Closed Door Ministries, uh, working with uh, countries around, in, in countries around the world that are kind of more closed to traditional missions, and uh, they have a pretty unique Uh, strategy to to do ministry in those areas. And then Becky uh, works with an organization called Women at Risk and uh, helping uh, women and uh, girls who are in uh, trafficking situations, uh, human trafficking situations all around the world even here in our own state. And so uh, she'll share a little bit about that. Uh, They'll be here for the morning. So Phil will be speaking in the services, uh, the worship services, and Becky will, uh, will be speaking at a combined Sunday school class. Uh, A combined adult clinical class. We'll give you more details on that as we get a little closer. Uh, Before we begin, I'm going to pray, but a few things to pray about. Uh, Some of you know uh, Roxy Silva. She's been having a long, long uh, road with her hip. Well, her surgery now has been scheduled for October the 20th. So she currently is staying at Heritage Hill. And on the 20th, she will have uh, her second uh, hip surgery. And so be praying for her that that would go without incident. I'll uh, be praying for our missionaries. We've uh, got to hear from a, a few of them and certainly still uh, very affected by uh, the COVID uh, crisis and the, the, the response to that. So be praying uh, for them, specifically even the McDonald's as we look forward to their time with us. I want to be praying for uh, the election coming up. We uh, know that there is a great need uh, for God to show his kindness to our, our country and uh, help us. Uh, we are in such need, and so be praying uh, for our, our our leaders. Be praying for those who are voting, that make good choices, and then just be praying for those who are are grieving. Uh, we've had a few of our uh, church family affected uh, by loss of loved ones in uh, recent weeks. Uh, Marion Huff lost her husband, and then uh, last week, Dorothea Wilson, uh, her son, Terry, uh, went to be with the Lord too. So we want to be praying for uh, those families at this time. Would you stand with me as we begin our time, giving thanks to God for his kindness to us, but praying that uh, he would be merciful here to us even today. Father, we give thanks this morning for your many good gifts. Uh, There are many good gifts, and we want to say thank you. God, we recognize that uh, we uh, are in desperate need of, of you, of, you of, of your help. Without you, we can do nothing. And so, Father, we are, we're praying. We're praying for help for our church. We're praying help for our, our nation. We're uh, praying help for our world as we respond to uh, these things that have been uh, kind of thrust upon us in the recent months. We pray for wisdom. We pray for uh, help today. We pray for our missionaries who are affected. We pray for their support, their their actual, their ministries, what they are trying to do. We pray that you would give them wisdom to know how to do those things. We pray for Roxy and her upcoming surgery and others as well. But we pray that you would uh, show grace there. We pray that uh, that would go without incident. Lord, we do pray for those who are grieving this morning. We ask for your, your kindness and your peace and your comfort from your spirit uh, for each one even now and father we pray this morning that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see as the word of god's opened up to us we pray for pastor chris as he shares give him clarity and ability to communicate and give us ears once again to hear we pray in the name of jesus amen you may be seated well good morning
1: glad to see your smiling faces here this morning and a few yawns I notice it's early if you have a bible I'd encourage you to open it to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 Ephesians chapter 4 this morning I have uh, been going through Ephesians of late, the last uh, couple of times that I've had the privilege to speak with you. We have gone through Ephesians, we finished up chapter 2, and then most recently concluded chapter 3. And now we're jumping into chapter 4 which is a little bit of a shift in uh, Paul's letter here because if you recall the first 3 chapters in Paul's writing is really focused on doctrine and in his final 3 chapters 4 through 6 is focused on application. So in the first 3 we see a lot about what the un- uh, what unity in the body of Christ is, what the new life we have now in Christ is. And here today we're going to shift from that doctrine that has been uh, taught to the practical application. What unity in the body and the new life that we have in Christ actually looks like. There's a lot of times uh, I remember growing up that my parents would share with me um, proper behavior. Right? We have parents here, you teach your kids proper behavior, and uh, as the kid I'm like, okay, I understand proper behavior, I think I did, but how, what does that look like, can you explain to me what that looks like? And so Paul's going to explain for us here what that doctrine looks like, how that plays out in our life. In uh, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16, we see unity in the body of Christ. The first uh, four verses read this, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called into the one hope that belongs to your call. It says uh, this one body that we were called into. This is that idea of uh, that reconciliation that took place earlier in Ephesians as he was explaining to the Jews and the Gentiles that Christ came to reconcile us first and foremost to himself, to God, and after that to reconcile the Jew and the Gentile together as one church body. So that's what took place doctrinally speaking, uh, practically speaking, Paul's now saying, walk in a manner worthy of that call. Gives a list uh, in chapter, or verse 2, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. And these are some very important characteristics and traits that were necessary there. Because if you recall, the Gentiles and the Jews weren't exactly buddy-buddy groups. right? And so when uh, Paul is explaining to them that you are now one family, one body, one church it's important for us to have those things mentioned, and even for us here in our local body, it 's important for us to recognize that we are one body, one church, and we need to exercise gentleness with one another, be patient and bear with one another in love. And I love what it says in verse three here: "Eager to maintain the unity. All right? Eager to maintain unity, All right? Our church is a place in which we should be eager to stay unified together. Not quick to anger or quick to look for areas where we disagree with one another, but being eager, excited to keep our unity intact. Verses 17 through 32, we see the practical aspects of the new life that we have in Christ. Seventeen through twenty four, I'm going to read through these four, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to patient to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self that belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Three things at the beginning here we see that you must no longer walk. This is that uh, remember when spot. This is where Paul's saying, remember this is what you used to be. We see that also in Ephesians 2. We see it later on as he's talking to Titus in Titus chapter 3. For us as followers of Christ to remember remember what we once were. And that that is no longer how we are to live. Verse 21, he uses the word assuming. Okay, We have to remember that uh, Paul spent about three years or so in Ephesus, but right now uh, he's under house arrest in Rome. It's been a few years since he's been to Ephesus, so uh, there's a number of people that are probably there, recent converts, other people that didn't sit under his direct teaching, and so he is assuming that they have heard based on what he had said to other people and as that is passed on. And then we see a a shout out to Colossians 3, James 1, 1 Peter 2, in uh, verse 24, where he says, put off the new self, right? Putting off what once was and putting on something new. If you look deeper into Colossians 3, uh, it, it goes so far as to not just say, take off and put it away into the closet where you can get at it later, but it actually goes deeper into say, put it to death. Have you ever brought back something to life that was once dead? Probably not. If you're a gearhead, maybe you brought a car back to life or something. But as physically speaking, this is something that is dead and cannot be brought back to life. This is our sinful habits. Those sinful behaviors that we had that were a part of us at the moment of conversion. uh, Those sins have been forgiven. The chains uh, that are enslaving us to sin have been uh, taken away. And so now we need to put to death those sinful practices. Over the last four months, my family and I have enjoyed a a wonderful time staying in a fifth-wheel camper together as I've been renovating our home. In that time, I've observed some very interesting behaviors, right? Adult and child alike. We've had some pretty interesting uh, times being in this trailer together. One uh, was Kenzie's desire to color. She has colored pencils, and she has markers, and she has crayons, and all these different things. And she loves to draw and doodle and do all these things. However, this is a brand new fifth wheel my parents just bought, and we're breaking it in. So we get to to borrow that for a little while. We're grateful for that. But it now has some customized artwork on the floor, on the walls, on the pull-down curtains. This is bad behavior, folks. And so Julie and I sought to teach Kenzie about this bad behavior and encourage her towards repentance of this bad behavior and then to change or replace that bad behavior with good behavior. Or in, in this case, paper. Right? Paul explains the difference between the regenerated and the unregenerated person in verses 17 through 24 the life of the saved and the unsaved, and how our lives should change as a result. In our text today, Paul covers the practical side of this change, what it looks like in our lives today. Simply put, it is replacing sinful habits and behaviors with righteous or holy habits and behaviors. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 25. Would you stand with me as we read through our text for this morning, if you're able. Ephesians, 25, or Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32 says this. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I thank you for your word and for the truths that are here. I pray that you would give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech to speak your truth, your words. Help us, as Pastor Mark already prayed, uh, to have open ears, open hearts, and be receptive to your truth here. God, please let me be humbled and set aside and let you be magnified in our service this morning, we pray. In your name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Repent and replace. This involves stopping something and starting something new. Stopping that sinful behavior that we once had, we once were as a fallen individual, and starting a righteous living, righteous habits, righteous behavior. Here in verse 25 says, Therefore having put away falsehood, that's lying, or an intent to deceive. Now sometimes we like to believe that we help People by lying to them. Can you think of a situation or a scenario in your own life? I know I'm a, I, I'm guilty of this, where I think in some situations that actually lying to somebody can actually be helpful to them. I like surprises. More specifically, I like to do the surprising. One of, the, one of the struggles that we have, though, with surprises is that we typically tend to slip in a little lie somewhere in the surprising process because we don't want this individual to know that there's a surprise coming. Julie hates surprises, hates them. And so that made kind of our marriage struggle a little bit because I was so much, I liked it, right? Right? But more specifically, it's the, the lying aspect because it's like I have to, or I think that I have to, tell her one thing that's false to protect the surprise. Have you ever been there? Truth of the matter is, if you look in Exodus chapter twenty, verse sixteen, that is a familiar passage. Ten Commandments: Thou shalt not lie. Proverbs nineteen five, verse nine chapter 21, verse 28 of Proverbs talks about those who deceive, those who lie will perish. This gives us a glimpse of what God thinks about lying. Right? Lying is sin. We should never lie. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. There is no, but God, mm As a new believer, we have to replace our lying for Truth. As it says, let each one of you speak the truth. What is right? What is true? A Christian's life should be controlled by truth. Why? In Ephesians chapter 6, we, we know about the, um, the armor of God. And in verse 14, talks about the belt of truth. We just finished going over this in, in youth group here on Wednesdays. And the belt of truth is very important. For the soldier, the belt or the girdle is what they uh, use for uh, their robes. Have you ever tried running in a robe? All right. I wouldn't recommend it because you're going to end up on the floor pretty quick. right? You're going to get tripped up by those robes. So they would take the bottom of those robes and they would tuck them up under that belt or that girdle so that they uh, had freedom of motion and can run and not get tripped up. And so they needed to know. Uh, they, it, it was equated to us that we need to know truth so we don't get tripped up by lies. Mark Twain is uh, famous for this quote. He says... If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. How true that is, right? I remember being a a young person and uh, telling mom one thing, telling dad another thing, and then, okay, who did I tell what? Right? You been there? Or maybe you're the parent and you've heard those things from your kids. Well, you're trying to remember who you told what and get all those stories straight, and it's just a mess, just tell the truth you don't have to remember anything because there's only one truth right it says that we're members of one another we're one body the body of Christ the universal church as well as a local body of Christ one thing that we need to remember and recall here is that our actions affect other people Right, my actions affect my family. My actions affect my church family. Your actions as an individual, as a member of this church, as a member of the body of Christ, affects other people. It affects your church. Consider your reputation. If you are a foul-mouthed liar at work, what is that communicating to your coworkers? If they know that you claim to be a Christian, that you're a member of the First Baptist Church in Carroll, what does that say about us? Well, I think one thing that that communicates is that if you're a Christian and you attend this church, well, you're obviously no different than your unsaved friends. Your actions, my actions affect our families. They affect our Faith families. They affect the universal church itself. I think Pastor Mark mentioned this last week. Life is choices, choices have consequences. Make the right choices, right? Verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Anger, an emotional arousal caused by something that displeases you. Now, raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay? You've been angry before. I know this to be true. I've been the child that has angered the parent, and I have been the parent that has been angry. Anger in and of itself is not necessarily sinful. How do we know? Because for one, it says right here, Be angry. But don't sin. Deuteronomy 9, 7-8 through 8 says this, Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Even at Horeb you provoked the Lord to wrath, and the Lord was so angry with you that he was ready to destroy you. Or Exodus twenty twelve. 12, excuse me, let me back up. The Lord has been angry. But does the Lord sin? Answer, no. What is driving him to anger is the disobedience of his people. As a parent, what drives us angry? It's the disobedience of our children. Parents, we don't want our children to be disobedient because in those instances we know what's good for them, what's going to profit them, benefit them. And so what drives us to anger as parents... I pray, is their misbehavior. Now, for the, the child sitting in the room today, or teenager, Exodus twenty twelve is important for you to recognize. It says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So, in other words, if you want to live a long life, kid, teen, obey mom and dad. Because when you don't, it drives them to Anger. You heard the quote or the, the phrase, "I brought you into the world, I can take you out." It probably is when that anger goes to the sinful stage, parent, right? Honor your father and mother. Righteous anger versus that of unrighteous anger. Follow God's example. Now, as uh, married couples, we tend to understand or hear about this part of don't let the sun go down on your wrath. It's the idea of not bringing anger of today into tomorrow. In Matthew 6, 34, we we learn about anxiety and how uh, we shouldn't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Let's just deal with today's. Okay, and that same kind of mindset. Today's got enough uh, issues of its own. It has uh, anger that we uh, experience we need to make sure that we deal with that. Keep short accounts and get that anger uh, quenched today, now. Don't hold that over until tomorrow. Because then you're just becoming an angry pressure cooker that is just going to c- continue to uh, build up pressure until one day you just explode. And that's not going to be good for you or anyone else. Tony Marita helps us understand this a little bit uh, with this quote. He says, The fire of anger, if it's not quenched by loving forgiveness, will spread and defile and destroy the work of God. Anger is a very dangerous thing. And we need to be very, very careful. Why? Uh, To not give an opportunity to the devil. This giving him footholds into your life and allowing him to consume you. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This illustrates very well for us a repentant heart and its effects on our life. Before uh, being saved, we're very much like that thief and, and stealing. We're very selfish people. But when you have a change of heart, when you repent of your sinful behavior and replace that with righteous living, you no longer steal, but you work honestly with your hands. You're not just stealing for yourself, you're working so that you can provide for your family and be able to share with other people. He goes on to say, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Corrupt talk, this is evil speech. It's worthless talk. The Greek word sapros here. Matthew 7, 17 through 18, Luke 6, uh, 43, uh, as he's using this same word of crooked speech or corrupt talk, uh, it's equated to uh, or resembling bad or rotten fruit. That's gross. Right? Now, my wife has a purse, and it's a really, really big purse because the really, really big purse doubles as a diaper bag, right? And so it gets all sorts of stuff thrown in there. Well, there was a cutie. That when it's ripe is cute and tasty, but when it's not, it's, it's disgusting. We smelled something really gross in the car, and it followed us into the house. And eventually we found, later on, I think we were actually in the youth room when we found it, <laughs> later on, this really moldy, brown, gross cutie in the bottom of her purse. And it was disgusting. That's our words with corrupt talk, Matthew 13:48 resembles putrid fish. Another disgusting aroma. As I mentioned, we've been doing some renovations on the house. We just recently were able to move back into the house, praise the Lord, still have some things to do, but along the the line, our house, we thought, was just because it was built in 64, it was old, so it kind of smelled kind of moldy and old and gross, Uh, and so we thought if we take out the carpet and things like that, it'll smell better. That wasn't the case. Eventually, we took out the kitchen cabinets, it still kind of smelled in there, and so we decided we're just going to take all the drywall, get it down to the studs, right, Pulled the drywall down behind the kitchen cabinets and between four sections of studs on the floor that deep was that fluffy mouse house junk that's been there for I don't know how long, right? And it stunk terribly. I cleaned it all out and got rid of it. And then that very evening when Julie came home from work, she's like, the smell's gone. What'd you do? Right? I replaced the gross mouse junk with cleanliness, right? And cotton balls with oils on them that smell nice. We need to replace our disgusting, corrupt, evil speech, worthless talk with uplifting conversation. Only such as is good for building up, encouraging one another. Back up here says that, "Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. One thing that we need to recognize about our mouth is that our mouths are directly connected to our hearts. You know that? Matthew 12: 34, "You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." So we need to be very careful, again, what comes out of our mouth because it's a sign of what we truly think and believe. Oftentimes, if if we're too loose with our our words, we'll say things, we'll offend people, and then be like, oh, I I was just kidding. I was just joking. Or I was just saying, you know, sorry, and we're trying to back up. The truth is, this is something that's starting from the inside and works itself out. I've told the students before that right thinking leads to right living. We need to be thinking properly, believing properly, to then be able to live and speak correctly. Uh, Building up and to give grace to those who are here, this is the idea of encouraging and benefiting one another. So all that put into one, one thing, if what you're saying is not going to encourage and benefit other people, then you ought not be saying it. Right, or, or to take some wisdom from, from uh, Thumper's mom, from Bambi. If you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. Right? You guys know Bambi, don't you? Or is that too old of a Disney movie? Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This idea of grief or causing sorrow to God because of our sin. As a parent, you know this because this is what drives you to anger. This is what uh, brings you sorrow or grief because you see your children making wrong decisions or sinning. And it it causes me grief as a parent, and sometimes, like I said, leads us to, to being angry over this bad behavior. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is the one after all who has sealed us for the day of redemption. This word sealed is preserving us and protecting us until that day. I think Pastor Mark also mentioned a number of weeks ago that we as followers of Jesus Christ are immortal until God is done with us here. Amen. In which case, then we just get a promotion to heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And as John 10, uh, 28 says, it's non-revocable. That's the verse where it talks about uh, being in the Father's hand and no one can pluck you out of his hand. One of the exciting things that, that light bulb moment I had is when I read that verse once upon a time and realized that, yeah, you can't pluck me out of the Father's hand. I can't take myself out of the Father's hand. But you know what? No one, that means God too, God's not going to take you out either. There's nothing any one of us can do that is so horrendous that it is void of God being able to forgive us. There's nothing you or I can do that is going to cause him to say, all right, I'm done with you. All right, Teddy, that is just one too many times. You're done. You got to uh, go through the whole gospel thing and repent. and mm-hmm. No. The Holy Spirit has come and sealed us. He is protecting us till the day of redemption, and He is preserving us until that day. Redemption, this is uh, the return of Christ. Are you looking forward to that day? Our response to this should be more than just gratitude, but it should be uh, thanksgiving and living a holy life. Recognizing what he has done and how he is protecting us, we should respond with a crazy amount of thanksgiving that leads us to holy living. Verse 31 Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. We see the word all. And as I mentioned on Wednesday with our students, what does the word all mean? All, right? All means all. And it it transcends through all of these words as well. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all slander, and all malice be put away. Again, this idea of putting it to death so that it does not come back. Bitterness comes from a heart that is not right before God. This is a characteristic of and could possibly even be a sign of an unregenerate heart. The Greek word uh, pikria is used here, and this is where we get our word poison. It causes destruction and defilement wherever it goes. It's settled hostility that poisons our heart. Bitterness heads this list for the simple fact that it tends to lead to all the rest. Leading us to wrath. The Greek word thumos, or passion, breathing hard, okay? It's that idea of that bull at snout and he's just breathing heavy and that leg's starting to go and he's getting ready to, to charge you. This idea of fierceness, a hostile passion, which leads us to clamor. The Greek word kroge, which means to scream, cry out. This is when our host, hostile passion breaks out. brawling and fighting takes place physical, this is the physical and verbal manifestation towards others and of course that leads us to slander or blasphemy careless speech speaking evil toward one another leading us to malice, Greek word "kakia, for evil or wickedness friend this is not how a follower of Christ should behave this should not characterize the follower of Christ at all. We need to repent of these characteristics and replace them with something else, verse 32. We need to be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Kind kindness. Romans chapter 2 verse 4, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? We talked a little bit earlier about being that foul-mouthed liar at work. Is that going to lead other people to Christ? What is it that's going to lead people to Christ? It's really the difference. Kindness is different, y'all. Because we as human beings struggling with our sinful nature, we want to react to things. And reacting generally doesn't involve our brain. It just happens. Right? You sat on the doctor's table and they tap your, your knee with that little hammer thing and your leg just goes. Right? You don't have to think about it. It just happens. It's a reaction. We need to actually respond to things. We think them through. We need to respond to other people with kindness. Paul tells the believers that we need to be kind to one another. We need to be tender hearted toward one another. And also, and this one might be a little difficult for some of us, but some of us are really good at holding grudges. But we need to forgive one another. When we remember that God first forgave us, we'll find it easier to show kindness. We'll find it easier to show tender heartedness and forgiveness to one another. In other words, we can because Christ already did. We can because Christ already did. If you're supposed to do this in and of yourself on your own with no work of the Holy Spirit, the love of God the Father, or the sacrifice of the Son, then It's impossible, and we're going to be living our life in verse 31. That's going to be us. But Christ came because of the great love with which God loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. Gave us the ability to have this reconciliation with him, to recognize our sinful behavior, to repent of that, and then to replace that poor behavior with godly behavior so let me close with this as our summarization true repentance must be followed by replacement we must stop our sinful behavior and replace them with righteous behavior we need to stop lying and start telling the truth We need to stop our unrighteous anger that leads to all sorts of destruction and start righteous anger. Be angry in the way that God was angry. We need to stop stealing and start sharing. Number four, we need to stop corrupt talk and start our edifying speech. There's a lot of us, a lot of people in this world that really would benefit from this one. You turn on the TV or the news and there's all sorts of of talk that is not edifying or beneficial. Next, stop grieving the Holy Spirit and start holy and thankful living. Stop bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice and start kindness, tenderheartedness and start living a life of forgiveness. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for our time this morning. I thank you first and foremost for who you are, a loving and caring God that has shown us kindness, has shown us forgiveness. God, now I pray for those of us that have accepted you as our Lord and Savior, that we would in turn exercise these things because you first demonstrated them for us. Help us to take to heart the words that Paul has to communicate to us in these these passages. Help us to, to target those areas in our life that are sinful behaviors and to repent of those things. And then, God, not to just repent and move on, Because if we just repent and move on, we're probably going to continue to reinsert those things. Help us to repent and then replace. Replace all of these sinful behaviors with God-honoring and righteous ones. Help us to rely and yield to the Holy Spirit's power within us, we pray. It's in your name. Amen.